Hello, and welcome to New Hope Christian Fellowship with Pastor John Gilbert. Known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Listen to this, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What a wonderful thing to say. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on. Do you know what? Listen, ladies. When a young man years ago said to you, I love you, right? Did you goosebumps go up and down your spine? <laughs> You think I'm having a laugh, don't you? Yes. Well, when a girl said that to me, I was quite happy, thinking that at least someone loves me. I love you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, when somebody says something special, you don't forget it, do you? When the one that really, really means everything to you says something special to you, you just don't forget it. Hey, Bob, I love you as well. You ain't going to forget that, are you? <laughs> but listen, Paul said it. Paul the Apostle, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's, let's just consider some of these things. He was a man. Paul was the man who liked to speak about mysteries. You know, Agatha Christie, that, that lady... Um, the uh, writer of the investigation, crime and all of that, who done it, that sort of thing, isn't it? And they're, they're plays that are like mysteries right the way through to the end. Have you ever seen an Agatha Christie crime thriller? Mayette and I went to London, we saw Mousetrap. Fantastic, wasn't it, Mayette? Another story. But anyway, Paul liked to talk about mysteries. He mentions them. I don't know if you've ever picked up on this, but the Bible uses the word mystery. For example, very quickly, I'll go to Romans, right? Romans chapter 11. There was the times of the Gentiles, right? Romans 11, verse 25, I think it is. Let me have a check. The time of the Gentiles. For I would not, brethren, that you be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. I'll repeat that in my own tongue. I'll paraphrase it. The Jews, who were God's chosen people, yeah, the Hebrews, because they rejected Jesus, what he's saying, blindness has come over their eyes. This is a mystery. He can't see their right hand from their left hand, if you understand what I'm saying. Blindness has come upon them, while us lot, the Gentiles, are getting saved. They don't understand it. They think that we're, um, we're imposters. They think that Jesus Christ is an imposter. It's a mystery. 
that Paul would love to explain. But that's one mystery, all right? There's another mystery. Turn over the page. Romans 16, verse 25 says this. 16.25, now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. We, we are, what he's trying to say is this, that we are living in an age of grace. From the time of Jesus to the time when the last Gentile gets saved, it's a time of grace. That's what we're living in right now. And God is allowing this to happen. But guess what? There'll come a time when that gets shut off. And that age of grace, the door will close. And people won't be able to just willingly get saved. That's another mystery. Do you want to know another one? Corinthians 15. Right? Corinthians 15. <coughs> 51. I'm just giving you a little appetizer. <coughs> First Corinthians chapter 15 about the resurrection. And it's this. Behold. He says, I show you a mystery. This is Paul the Apostle. Turn your telephone off. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. What is that mystery? Anybody know? It's the rapture. The mystery of the rapture. We will to his saints and that is Christ in you the hope of glory if you if you could get the, the Moses if you could get Isaiah if you could get Jeremiah Ezekiel these are the major prophets of the Old Testament if you could get Elijah, Elisha, if you sat them all around this little table, yeah, and you said to them, these were the prophets of the Old Testament, and you said to them, look, lads, would you call them lads? Look, prophets of the Old Testament, do you know that in times to come, the Gentiles will be able to have the living God, Jesus Christ, living in their hearts. If you told them that, they'd fall off the chair. Do you understand where I'm going? Do you understand? That is a, to them they say, oh, you're having a laugh. They fall off the chair. It's so mesmerising. 
And that's why Paul says, this is the mystery that's been hidden from those of ages past. It's never been heard of before. It was never written about in the Old Testament. It's a mystery. And we have it within ourselves to understand these things and to learn about them and to grasp hold of them. Christ in you, the hope of glory. When people are looking at you, they shouldn't be seeing Bob Minier. They should be saying, do you know that bloke, that old boy up at Thumpers, he's like Jesus Christ. I'm sorry to tell you, Bob, you might pull off the chair there yourself, mate. But do you understand, when people see you, they should see Christ in you. And he understands what I'm saying. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You should be behaving like Jesus. Hope. And that's what I want to share with you today, whether we really have that living hope.
about. There was a rich young ruler went to Jesus and he said, Master, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and saw that he was a rich man. He said, why don't you sell everything you've got? Give it to the poor. That's a hard thing to take on. Even in the Christian church, when you hear someone radically talking like that, you think, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Sell everything I've got. Give it to the poor. Send my riches on ahead of me. That's a hard, hard, tough thing. Even the disciples were rattled. Who then can be saved? They said. The guy went away sorrowful, miserable, because he found that very, very hard teaching. Give everything to the poor. I don't know many people do that. Some people are rich in their, not so much financially, but they're rich in their health. You know, they can do a marathon in an hour. 26 miles. They're rich in their health, Bob. But they won't give their health to helping other people. You can be rich in other ways, can't you? You could be rich up here. And you use this to play a computer game. When other people are dying. You know what I'm saying? The rich young ruler went away miserable. Money doesn't make you happy. Does it? It, it can give you a good time down at South End. You can go on the roller coaster and things like that. But what I'm trying to say is, it's, it's actually not money. It's the love of money. Money is pretty good, but it says in, Paul says the love of money is the root of all evil. He didn't say that money is the root, uh, money is the root of evil, it's the, the love of it. And that's the thing, okay? People make money their God, and that's where they got a false hope. It's a, you don't do that, okay? Some people, some people, you... They trust in their intellect. Their hope is what they know. They're very academic. And it's not wrong to be academic. It's how you use what you're, what you're understanding. You know, for example, is it David Attenborough who does all these wildlife programs? You know, every time you watch one of those programs, he will say, well, the earth is, is, is 50 billion million years old. Yes, and that's what... Well, who was around 50 million billion years ago to tell him that that's the truth? <laughs> eh? Who, was, who got a diary out and wrote, you know, day one, 50 million billion years ago, right, I went down to the banana plantation and picked bananas. Who was there? These, these books that we have about the weather, well, this is the worst rainy day in the last 120 years. They only started those books 120 years ago, didn't they? It's crazy. That guy's got a very good intellect. He's got a very good understanding. But I don't think he's telling the truth. So he's putting his hope in lies. Charles Darwin put his hope in lies 
when he wrote this Origin of Species, telling me or you or someone else that you came from a fish out of the well, slime, slime plus time equals me. Eh? Anyone want to put their hand up to that? Bible tells me, very simply, I'm made in God's image, in God's likeness. I believe that. Eh? Anybody come here from a, a piece of bogey? A bogey from your nose. You don't look like bogeys to me. Or oh, I'm sorry, but... Do you remember uh, his name, Tony Blair, the Prime Minister, 20-odd years ago, right? I remember one day he was on the news and he said, looked at the camera, he said, education, education, education. Does anybody remember that? Someone does. He put his hope in education. He thought, yeah, this is a nice little learner. All the students go to uni. We'll lend them 10 grand a year. Yeah, they'll be in debt to us for the next 20-odd years. We'll earn a nice bit of money out of those students. I'm sorry, Jeff wrote to burst the bubble. But you can't put your, your hope in education. It's good to get an education, but you can't put all your hope in it. Yeah, well, the people in Afghanistan are very concerned that they're not getting any education. I bet, I bet you're right. I bet you're right. And I'm not against, listen, listen. I'm not against money because I need it myself. I'm not against education because I need to know what I'm talking about. Don't I? Yeah. By the grace of God. And I'm not against an, an intellectual understanding. But don't put all your hope in those things. Let's put it in Christ, the hope of glory. glory. Do you understand? A good education won't necessarily give you the hope of glory. A, 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 a wallet full of money won't give you the hope of glory. Do you understand what I'm getting at? That's what I'm talking about. You know, educated people think that they can handle a crisis. So you've got to go to Eton, like Boris and David Cameron and George Osborne, what, what, huh, what, what, and get an education. No, that won't save you. What, what? You know, that's how, that's how you talk when you go to Eton, isn't it? And, and how about this? Religion. That's a good topic. Some people think you need to have religious ceremonies and they put all their hope in that. Well, I'm going to say something to you about that. Who's the Archbishop of Canterbury? There we go. Thank you, Paul. His Easter sermon, was it about Easter? That's a good question. The, the most religious man in this country, Justin Welby, preached an Easter Sunday sermon, and guess what it was about? Rwanda. A he was making a political statement about our government, and I'm not interested whether what they do with the migrants, about sending them to Rwanda. 
What does he want to do that for? He missed the point. The point was about the resurrection, wasn't it? Hey? Christ Jesus rising from the dead. Not about getting involved with political jargon about sending migrants. It's silly. So you can follow religion and miss the mark. You don't want that, do you? No, you don't. I don't. Thank you, Liam. And some people put their hopes in good works, like helping little Auntie May or Betty Davis, you know, in her 90s, across the road. All right, Betty, how you doing? Nice to see you. Some people put their hope in working at the charity shop or something like that. It's got to be about Jesus. Jesus first, serving second. Yes? That's what I like to say. If Christ Jesus is risen from the dead, our hope should be in that understanding. That is the hope of our glory. If he can rise from the dead, then you can rise from your bed. Yes? What about you, Dom? Eh? That's all that matters, isn't it? If he rose from the dead, we shall rise from the dead at his word. You know, Jesus first, follow him first, and then all these things. It's okay to have a bit of money in your pocket. It's okay to have an education. It's okay to, to do these things to help the old lady across the road. But put Jesus first. And then we have the hope of glory to do what he wants us to do. My second point is this. Do you know that many live with no hope at all? It's very sad. Ephesians. This way. Ephesians 2. Might have read it before. Ephesians 2 verse 12 I think it is. Ephesians 2 verse 12. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There is a people, and it could be one of you, when I say things like that and then look at you, don't think I'm pointing the finger at you. <laughs> there is people in this world, they've got no hope. And I meet people, especially when you're evangelising and you're challenging people about faith in Jesus, they've got no hope. I, I met this guy yesterday and apparently he said he was a Muslim, but I thought, I'm not going to put up with that. I'm going to give you a track whether you like it or not, right? But when his wife said, come on, love, let's get on with it, right? And she saw that I was giving him a tract. She went, oh, no, not, one, not that, right? And I didn't like that. So I said, excuse me. I said, can you tell me a bloke in South End that's willing to die for you? Am I not allowed to speak like that? Well, why not, Bob? She needs to hear it snub me and snub my tracks she needs to hear it she didn't compute it maybe she didn't have enough understanding 
right? But maybe those words might ring around in her head over the next 10 years until they go into her heart. But who in South End would die for a someone else, for a sinner? An unrighteous person, only Jesus. And we should never snub at taking something like a tract, you know, that could be our lifeline to heaven. <sighs> hope. Our hope in Jesus is tested, guess when? It's tested at death. That's leaving it to the last minute, isn't it? Exactly, Bob. You don't want to leave it to the last minute. And, and dying only takes a second, doesn't it? When your heart says, I'm packing up, I've had enough of living inside you, says, I'm out of order, and it stops, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Get a Bible, read it from Genesis to Revelation and try and work it all out in that those last dying second, well, not even a second. You ain't got no chance. Don't put it to the test when you're going to peg it, if you don't mind me speaking like that. Hey? Gone very quiet, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. You can't wait. You want to do it now. Today's the day of salvation, isn't it? Today's the day to work it all out. If you've got a faith or if you've not got a faith, iron out the creases now. Try and work it out. Say, Lord, please help me understand all of these mysteries. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Help me work this out, Lord. Yeah? I think it's a good idea. I've been doing it for many, many years. And I, I still don't think I give it enough time. I'm trying to work out, can I find more time to study these things and work these out? Huh? Can I? Can you? Do it now. This is the day. Did you hear that echo in the back row there? This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. And be glad in it. Eh? That's what I like to say. Your earthly successes will be of no comfort to you when you're ready to pop your clogs. Yeah? Let's go to Thessalonians. It's just before Timothy. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 You know that verse. And it says we can contrast hope at death. Listen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you, listen, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. When someone dies, you think, oh dear, that was sad, isn't it? I really like that person. It could be Auntie Betty. could be Uncle Albert. could be your granddad. could be your niece or your nephew. It is sad. 
But this is telling us that there is a people living today that when someone dies, they have a, they have a meltdown. <laughs> oh no! You know, I know a man, his mother died 30 years ago. He ain't got over it! I know my dad died two and a half years ago, and I miss him, but I've got over it. I, thought, I was sad for a couple of years, but I got over my dad going. God gave me my dad, and God gave me to my dad. Did you understand what I'm saying there? He's a gift to me, I'm a gift to him, but he's gone. He's had his time, and now's my time. And I miss him. I miss putting the arm around him. I miss having a cup of tea with him and a chin wag. Letting him have a roll up and talking to me. And I jump. You understand what I'm saying? I miss him. But I've got over him. This guy I know, 30 years later, he still ain't got over his mum gone. You know, because he got no hope that she's gone anywhere. As far as he's aware, she's still in the ground. Do you understand what I'm saying? As a Christian, when someone passes away, we have hope that they've gone to heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Dorothy's gone to heaven. Wonderful. Jim Ward gone to glory. That's what it says. What are you going to say? You know that song, um, This Is The Day? Yeah. Number 55, Go on. And three. Yeah. Just there, John. What do you want me to say? This is the day. What are you going to say? To the actual song that we always been singing at the church. Yeah, this is the day. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Liam. Yeah. <coughs> Believers, Liam, yeah. do not sorrow like lost people. In your heart, you can rejoice. Because, you know, like someone, can, people suffer. Some people suffer with illness for many years. And when they pop their clogs, you can have a heart of peace thinking, well, they've gone to glory. They know Jesus. They believe in Jesus. And I can have peace because I know they're sitting with Jesus right now. You can have that. But some people don't have that. Unbelievers have no sure hope at death. Comfort, comfort at death is for the believer. For example, John, look at this, John chapter 4, verse 14. Listen, this is Jesus speaking, right? Listen carefully. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So that when I return, I will take you to be where I am. Who, who's Jesus talking to? The, the disciples. And are we not disciples? So he's actually comforting the believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. So the promises that he's making is to the believer. 
Isn't he? Paul, what was you going to say? Is it? Yeah. Hundred percent. I'm going to say this, and you need to hear it. Unbelievers, do you know what they do? They borrow. They borrow Christian jargon. They borrow it. They don't believe in it. They borrow it to help them have some sort of peace. Oh, Elvis Presley or, or, or Freddie Mercury or so, he's rocking round heaven right now. Eh? Eh? They can't do that unless they repented of their sins, followed Jesus and then have that assurance. Do, do you understand me? I'm so, you know, maybe I'm rattling you a bit, but I, and I don't mean to. But eternal promises are for the believers. That's who it's for. Those who want to believe in Jesus. There are no promises of hope for those who die in unbelief. Now lastly, do you know, and I'm sure you do by now, there is a hope of glory. Because the verse tells us, Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. When Jesus died on the cross, he gave up his spirit. But when he was dead and they carried him into the tomb, the Holy Spirit was back inside that body of his and rose him from the dead. Now, when you die, Marjorie, and all of us, when we go to the grave, it's not something we really like talking about, I'm sorry, but when we get put down in the grave, if that's where we're going, the Lord, the Holy Spirit of God, will raise our body from the grave. Did you know that? <clears throat> Thank you, Maya. Yeah. If, if Jesus' body could be raised from the dead and we're forgiven for our sins, then God can raise every one of us from the grave. I think that should put a smile on our dial. Don't you think, Bob? With new bodies, Dad. Hey? With new bodies. What about cremation? Listen, if God made us in our Im in his image, yeah, if you got cremated, right, and you turned to ash, how many bits of ash there going to be? That's a lot of ash, isn't it? If you get put in an urn, right, it's, you're, getting, you're getting cremated, isn't you? <laughs> when your ashes come back, we'll, we'll look after them, don't worry. All right, we'll sort it out. <laughs> what we're going to do, we're going to have a prayer meeting. And we're going to ask at the prayer meeting, Lord, put these ashes back together again, please. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story. I'll tell you a story, right? There was a, a preacher, and his name was John Wycliffe. I'm going back to the 13th century, 
Now, John Wycliffe was like us, a believer. He was the first man in this country to translate the New Testament by hand. He wrote it, right? He was the first man to translate it from, like, the Greek or... or They buried him. When he died, he buried him. And for a hundred years, he was buried. And his enemies...
Thank you for joining us today. We meet at Grove Hill Community Center at 11.30 p.m. in Hemel Hempstead. God bless you.